0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. On the line now, Davina Montgomery, good morning.
1: Good morning, Mitch, how are you?
0: Good, thanks for being on the program. Second last time for the year, which is just amazing how quickly things are drawing to a close. But um, I suppose in some ways it feels like it's been a really long year. In other ways, it's really flown by.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Mitch. Certainly, uh, how we're feeling. Uh, I can tell you, we've had this discussion. Even my kids are saying the same thing to me at the moment. But you know, geez, it's it. The years really feels like it's um. really feels like it's dragged and it's just been a long, long, long year, but at the same time, the days are just moving so fast.
0: Mm, That's exactly right. So before we know it, it'll be the end of the year and we'll be off on holidays, but still a few weeks uh, before then and a few political issues to discuss, but I thought we might start just with the North Melbourne story because I was watching this last week and I thought of you because what a great moment for the club to announce that it had paid off all of its debt. I mean, that's exactly the position you want to be in when you're a supporter and even to have all of those people coming back and you know remembering some of those great years which would have been for you as the the premierships so of the late 1990s yes, yes. just a great atmosphere
1: look it's uh, every football fan wants to um you know feel proud about their club and and we are proud nor supporters in our house very much so um you know the, the debt-free thing is is lovely it it's really been a very long journey and uh, you know the we've always stayed fairly connected with the club so we've been well aware of their their long-term planning and their strategy that has gone behind that and the approach that they've taken to that so uh, certainly no surprise for us when they got to that debt free because we've seen that progression and it was such a very clearly laid plan you know going right back to um, you know going right back into those 1990s and, and the early 2000s when the, when the bones were laid down of that plan so it's gone through successive CEOs successive club presidents um, and of course coaches as well but what made me incredibly proud and frankly on the verge of tears was seeing Danny Lately go back to her club and have their arms put around her and to say you know what in in the year 2021 we're so fortunate to be able to share this story with the rest of football um, no one you know it's never fun it's I don't I don't I'm sure it's you know has its positive moments, but it is never fun being the trailblazer in this space. Mm. Um, There has been some horrific moments in this journey for Danny, and I was just beyond proud. I was a proud North Melbourne supporter. I was a proud human being seeing the um, the way that that welcome was rolled out and just that very straightforward acceptance of going, you know what, you are a North Melbourne person, you will always be a North Melbourne person. And we are proud to have
0: you here. And she talked about finding her tribe, which is obviously very important. But I suppose to me it was a reminder about how powerful sport can be when it gets it right. And there's a lot of cases where it gets it wrong and there's bad behaviour, etc. But uh, when it does get it right and it brings people together, um, it's a very beautiful thing.
1: It really is. It really is, Mitch. There is there is nothing like it um, and probably a little bit like you. I've, I've worked across a number of sectors across the years, in particular in media and politics and, um, and the community sector where there is some just incredibly extraordinary work that goes often unsung, let's be honest. Um, but being in sport and as I work now, and there are moments that just catch you and it's often quite unexpected and it can be. I mean, this was clearly a big moment and it was a planned moment. It's often the small moments. It's it's hearing an Indigenous female player talk about what it feels like for her to know that her family is watching her. Um, and her progressing and striving and really realising her potential. You know, just small moments on the side of a football ground, no one else around, and it just gets me all the time. And it is, as you say, it's the power of sport to let us see people for more than what they can do.
0: Mm. And I mean, just the idea of coming together and I suppose having a a common goal, because sometimes people make these long term plans a long time ago, and they don't turn out or successive administration changes don't end up following through. That's one issue. And I suppose the other one is sometimes it's easier to cave in. And I think they talked that uh, you could have been going up to the Gold Coast or down to Tasmania, but you've uh, stared the critics down and you're in a great position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for those people who are inside the club, for those people who are heavily collected to the, the club, you know, those were external conversations. Um, there was no doubt at any point that any of those things were just going to be a conversation from the outside. It was never seriously considered internally. Of course, there was the, you know the, the things were raised and due diligence says that that you look at them. But um, we've you know we know quite a few people within the club. We we get to hear you know quite a bit of inside information, which is always nice. Um, but we you know I just know that it just wasn't it wasn't taken seriously. The plan was always in place, and exactly as you say, being able to carry those sort of plans across successive administrations across successive periods particularly when you're not getting the on-field success Uh, Mm. sport is a you know it's a it's a performance industry and if you're not getting the runs on the board on the park it can be really really hard really really quickly and it can tear places apart very quickly as well and i think it says an awful lot about the culture of north melbourne and i know it does get spoken about externally um but i can tell you honestly having experienced it it is it's something that other clubs just don't have. It, there's something in the air at that place that when you walk in there, people's arms wrap around them, and they they're not allowed people. You know they're not a particularly loud fan base. When you go to North Melbourne games, fans will often be shouted down by a smaller number of opposition fans. You know, then even in our grand finals, we I remember sitting there in the '96 grand final and and having you know Sydney <laughs> rocking the G and the North Melbourne fans were probably half as loud, mm. um, even though there was more of them. Yeah, of course. But so they're not a, they're not a shouty, arrogant sort of club, and never really have been. But what they are is loyal and proud and very, very strong in who they are. Uh, and that hasn't changed. And that's something that, you know, look, there's a lot of clubs, football clubs and other sporting clubs in Australia that could really learn a lot from what it means to be very authentic to who you are and to stick with it and to be really honest. You know, they're not a they're not a silver spoon club. They've never had things given to them easily. Um, but they have been extraordinary innovators. You know, the, the Friday night football, the... Um, Women's football. We had the first women's football team well before there was women's football at senior level. Uh, you know, we had that team and they were training and they were part of the club and treated as part of the club. There was the, you know, there's the Easter Easter weekend, the Good Friday matches, um, the grand final breakfasts. All of these things are North Melbourne innovations that are now just become part of the AFL. It's certainly not the only club that's been innovators. I mean, in particular has been an extraordinary innovative club as well. But for a club that has to do things the hard way that didn't have a lot of money that had cold showers when everyone had hot ones you know they they just keep pushing because they know they've got something special and it's you know it's these moments where you turn around and go god I'm just I'm just proud to be a part of it
0: well, we better move on just for the people that like the 17 other clubs <laughs> in the competition. Um, look, one of the big we things... We to have
1: this one day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's true. That's true. You, you can have your one day. Um, now, in terms of the... Um, The way that the year is coming to a close, it is coming to a close quite rapidly, but there are still a few loose ends, it would seem, that need to be tied up in politics. I think one of the big ones, and we'll be talking to Stuart Grimley in just a moment about this, um, but the pandemic legislation coming before the Legislative Council and Adam Somerak's thrown a bit of a spanner in the works for the government to the point where now it looks like they're going to have to revise parts of it to get it through.
1: Yeah, and I think that's—I think that is exactly what should be happening around this. These sorts of legislations. This is incredible. You know, this is structurally changing the fabric of how we have freedom of choice in in our state um, for exceptionally good reasons and very well proven reasons. Let's be honest. Um, it is important legislation, but because it's so important, it's too important for it to just roll through without being challenged. It's far too important. Uh, and the implications of it are far too important to not have that, that, uh, that very deep and very detailed oversight and insight from both internally and externally. Um, you know, it was great to see that there were, you know, QCs, that there were lawyers turning around and saying, hang on a minute, there's some issues in this legislation. Um, I have every support for, for politicians and for people outside of politics standing up and saying, there are things about this that aren't right. But it's <laughs> a bloody big butt in here. The kind of violence inciting that's come out of it, and it is make no bones about it. The language that we have heard, the um, apologists, and the way that it's that it, that this has been presented, and really buoyed up that kind of horrific, unacceptable, no place in Australia for this kind of behaviour. The, the gallows and the you know the signs. We don't need it. We don't want it. It isn't who we are. That is not our city. That is not our state. Um, That needs to go. And it needs to be called out at every level. I don't care which party is in power. I don't care which party is sitting there looking at the next election saying, oh, we don't want to to put people outside. The first thing you should be when you walk into Parliament is a Victorian and a decent human being. Mm. And there is no version of being a decent human being and being honest to what this state is and means to be able to stand there and make apologies or to make allowances for that kind of behaviour. Unacceptable and needs to be called out at every level.
0: And uh, as a society, you need to be able to have a mature debate and be able to grapple with the issues without it resorting to violence. I mean, there's unfortunately always it seems angry people on both sides but then they undermine it for everyone else and then yep. it enables one side to say, well, you're all... Angry. And, you yeah, know, there may be legitimate concerns about the bill but then that becomes overshadowed by this terrible it violence does. and, you know, yes. listing the public addresses of MPs, allegations, I don't know if it's true, but allegations that people have tried to go to MPs' houses which is, of course, mm-hmm. just outrageous, a step too far and we can't condemn it and call it out enough.
1: Well, Andy Medic's daughter... Mm. You know, do, do we really live in a society where we think it's okay? That do any of us think it's okay that the daughter of a sitting MP can be targeted in this way because of the political views or what her, what her dad might have said in his job as a parliamentarian?
0: I hope that there is a full police investigation into that to establish what's actually happened there because, you know, there's obviously a few different reports mm. and I think it needs to be clear what the official version of events yeah, is um, of so we can scrutinise that effectively. Um, and I think this is maybe a tendency at times when something happens, people jump on it and then start debating. Everyone's got their own opinion, but sometimes you just got to yeah. be patient and wait for the full investigation and then uh, we can go to town, hopefully, on whatever has taken yeah. place there.
1: Yeah, I think so, Mitch. Absolutely, and and it is incredibly important that we listen to dissenting voices. Yes, now we are a free and open society. It's that's, and we're talking literally, very literally, in this legislation about those freedoms, about that that ability to to question and to and you know and to push back. But so there's very good reasons why we need pandemic legislation. Of course we do. We've we've been through it and we've seen it. Emergency legislation where the Decisions need to be made quickly and effectively in the best interests of the most people. It won't always be for everyone. That is not the way these situations work. Emergencies don't allow for everyone to have their moment. What we need to do is to do the best thing that we can for the most people in the most sensible way, um, in the most proportionate way, every single time. And without a structure to do that, it's chaos. We've seen that in bushfires. Before we had the bushfire reviews, before we had the, the devastation of Black Saturday, where there weren't structures in place to protect people and to respond in very fast-moving, very frightening environments, that things go very badly very quickly. We can't do that again. We're smarter than that. We're better than that. Um, but we do need to take care to listen to the fears and concerns of people. Fears and concerns don't result in violence. Fears and concerns result in debate. And you debate the points and you listen to everyone and you take consideration and I am very pleased to to actually see that there will be some pushback and that this legislation will have to be amended because unfettered power doesn't do any of us any good.
0: Now, today's the first day where we haven't been told if we can work from home, we must work from home, and that's been the setting for as long as I can remember. I'm assuming it may have been lifted for summer this year, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, do you think people will be going back into the office, into the Melbourne CBD, into the Geelong CBD in their droves?
1: Yeah, I actually do. I do, to be honest. And I think, you know what, the big difference has actually been the masks. Um, You know, as much as masks are hugely effective, and in a lot of ways, I kind of wish we'd just leave them on, because... You know, they do stop us getting viruses of all kinds, not just not just this particular virus. Um, but there's no doubt that it's uncomfortable and it's difficult to work at work without a mask on. And when people can go home, they can work without a mask on. They can have that, yes. you know, a little bit more space to move around in. So I think that's made a really big difference. And I do, not, not full-time, I think we are still, we have seen a structural shift in the way that we work. And I think that that was always going to happen anyway. It's just that it's been accelerated quite quickly of course by the by the pandemic and the stay at home orders but um yeah these, these were shifts that were already on but in a large part yes i think we are going to see some big shifts back into the city i've driven in this morning there's you know there's nowhere near as many parks as what they had been even last week the car parks are filling up i know melbourne on saturday night had a very big night in the cbd that was terrific to hear um and people are just you know waking up and going okay let's let's kind of get on with it and I would say get on with it while we can because it's you know things are not great in Europe and in America and in parts of Asia right now the virus does have the ability to come back so hopefully with our extraordinary and world-leading vaccination numbers that we can keep booster shots that we can try and get ahead of this curve Um, that would be really nice but you know, let's enjoy this summer while
0: we have it. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Look, thank you very much for being on the program. We've got one more time where we'll be catching up for this year. We might be able to do a bit of a retrospective and perhaps even a look forward then. So thank you very much for being on the program and talk to you in two weeks' time.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Mitch.
0: Thank you. Davina Montgomery with us there uh, with her thoughts on the issues of the day. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank.